Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik. And with me today, well, this is a, this is a one-man show. I'm talking about comedy. I'm talking about stand-up. So it's going to be you and I, you and the myself in the audience to go on this magical, magical journey of laughter and togetherness and two-drink minimums, whatever it may be. The real reason is I'm doing this alone is because I want to talk about conservative comedy or the the modern conservative political comedy in a sense. And a lot of you are like, well, that's the funniest thing you're going to say this whole podcast. And you're right. It is the funniest thing I'm going to say this whole podcast because this sucks. And I know Ty and Tina were both like, you're on your own on this one. I'll explain in a while an experiment I've been doing in my own house that Tina isn't very, very pleased with me on. So you get to look forward to that. But I want to tell you guys what prompted this. Okay. Originally this week, Ty and I were supposed to talk about 1980s teen sex comedies. Going to be great. Had some great things, had nerds to talk about and sex girls and all sorts of crazy stuff. Hot dog and hamburger, the movie. Yes, those two things did exist. But I wanted to push this off because of something that happened this week, something that I believe is very important, and I believe everybody is predictably taking the exact position that I expected them to take. It has to do with comedy. But a lot of you are going to push back on me and say, it's, this isn't conservative comedy, but I'm going to explain to you how it is. So John Stewart came back to The Daily Show this week, and I can immediately, it's like Alderan. I can hear a thousand liberals screaming out, and I'm about to silence you all. John Stewart's not a liberal, and there goes my death laser. Or not a conservative, there goes my death laser. So I had to pull back the first one. So John Stewart came back to The Daily Show. And very, very briefly, a kind of a, a brief history of myself and John Stewart. I grew up, my father was a big Saturday Night Live fan, early SNL, the, the original SNL. A very big, he liked Andy Kaufman. He was a big David Letterman fan is who he liked a whole lot. So I grew up kind of with that absurdist sense of humor from my father figure. And as if I somebody asked me who my favorite SNL person is, I, I'd want to say Eddie Murphy, but it's Norm MacDonald. I adore Norm MacDonald. Ty and I did a whole thing after he had passed away and everything. Norm MacDonald was one of my favorites. And of the late night guys, I really loved Conan O'Brien. I really, I mean, I watched Letterman, but Conan was my guy all, all the way to the bitter end. So that was always kind of my sense of humor. In that, in the late 90s, Comedy Central started this little thing called The Daily Show, and Craig Kilborn was the host, and it was weird. And I was all in. And then Kilborn left to go have his super successful multi-Oscar-winning career in movies or so. I guess that was the plan. But he left, and John Stewart, a 90s comedian, came in and turned it into a juggernaut. And I was in. I was in for a while. I bought his book. I think it was called America the Book. Those early days, I mean, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Samantha B. I mean, a lot of these people that were on that Daily Show, I know Samantha B was a little bit later, but I really, really liked a lot of these people. Except John Stewart. I never got into his, like, ain't I a stinker? Somebody described it as low-grade cat skills humor. I just didn't care for that. Plus, I think he was the worst interviewer of all time. And there was an article where it was Matt Groening talked about how he, I think he was or somebody invented the term clapter that John Stewart would say, you know who stinks? George W. Bush. And then, whoa, everybody would just applause like mad. That was what watching The Daily Show was like for me. 
But I, I still liked a lot of the things. I still thought what John Stewart was doing was very, very important. I thought him body slamming Tucker Carlson was great. I was in all that. And then when Bush won, everybody's like, or when uh, Obama won, and everybody's like, what are you going to do with a Democrat in there? And everybody I know that defended John Stewart to me said, he does, he's not making fun of Republicans. He's making fun of the media. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But the thing that drove me up a wall, especially in the late Bush years and during the early Obama years, is John Stewart was the worst interviewer. Just softballs after softballs. Famously, Jennifer Lawrence, when she was promoting, uh, I think it was the first Hunger Games movie, she called him out on air. She's like, you don't prepare for any of this, do you? And he's like, no, no, I don't. Uh, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> I tired of that pretty quickly. I stopped watching him. I do know he had one of Bush's, who's it, you, one of his torture advocates on, and John Stewart didn't push back on him at all. He had Condoleezza Rice on, and she talked about how the war, and this was after the Bush administration, how the wars were in Afghanistan and Iraq were totally necessary, and he didn't push back on her. And it just seemed like John Stewart just wanted to be friends to everybody. He wanted to make sure he could get into the restaurants and everybody be nice to him and da-da-da. Not to say he did a lot of great advocacy for the first responders on September 11th, but again, as a portal into the news world. I moved away, or the political comedy world, I moved away from Jon Stewart, moved towards Keith Olbermann. Now, not that Olbermann was funny in any ways. I do think he could be funny in a lot of ways. But Olbermann was pissed because shit was bad. And I was pissed. We were lied into wars. The economy was falling apart. And we were making damn well sure that the corporations were okay. But screw the workers. Olbermann was pissed, and I was pissed too. And Olbermann wore out his welcome like I'm sure I did in a lot of places, and Stewart with his nice, warm, liberal comfort blanket was still there, but I'm, I just, no, I mean, I can't, I can't accept this like, ooh, let's make a joke about everybody, and then everybody will think we're funny or whatever stupid crap. Well, after Jon Stewart left, fittingly with some Bruce Springsteen song, so I said, what's the most boomer liberal crap you could come up with? But he leaves. And he does some of his advocacy here and there. And then he did a show on Apple that everybody's like, oh, it was so great. And I, I'll tell you, I saw two interviews. I watched two interviews he did on that show. The one he did with Larry Summers, because Larry Summers is a, is a trash bag of a human being. And the other one that he did with the Oklahoma state representative where he like said guns were more important than kids or something. In both cases, Jon Stewart did push back. And Larry Summers went off and it's still Larry Summers and everybody still loves Larry Summers and that Oklahoma State rep fundraises off of what John Stewart did. Haven't heard John Stewart say a thing since then about guns. Again, I'm going to give him credit for his advocacy on the first responders. But part of this is not to part of it is not to come into the battle that's going on, shoot one bullet and say, there, I did my duty and walk out. OK, you're like, R.D., get to the goddamn point. <laughs> well. John Stewart came on this week, and in his, I did not watch it, but I did hear about it. So the next day, I did watch his monologue. And a lot of the same old stuff is, ain't I a stinker type routine? And then he went into this rant about how Bush, or not Bush, huh, how Biden and Trump are both old. And he spent about equal times talking about how Biden is a weird old doddering old man. And I know he, I don't know if he directly referenced it, but people brought up the special counsel report that talks about him being a confused old man who's losing his faculties. New York Times won't stop talking about that because they're nothing but a conservative rag now. And if you think otherwise, then I, you and I just can't talk. But 
I'm going to tell you something a lot of people are missing about the special counsel report. A special counsel is not a doctor. He didn't have Biden observed or didn't have a doctor check out Biden or anything like that. What he said is the defense counsel for President Biden would probably use that as a defense and therefore you could not get a conviction or an indictment. Because a defense counsel, defense counsel is going to do whatever it can to keep its client out of jail or out of getting indicted or out of trouble. That's what that report said. And I'm sure a lot of you listening to this right now, this is the first time you've heard that. But I know because I looked at the report. Because I'm going to talk about truth here for a little while. So John Stewart wanting to be a stinker and talk about how both sides are bad and both sides are evil or both sides have age problem and old man and what are we going to do? And as a country, we're so screwed. And yeah, dumb, dumb old people. <laughs> Guys tired of it yet? Because I was that's I stopped watching The Daily Show because I got tired of that crap. Clapser, that is a great name for it. What John Stewart never said is old, doddering, forgetful man Joe Biden in three years has passed a lot of meaningful legislation. A lot of meaningful legislation for Democrats. I dare say a lot of meaningful legislation for progressives. I have my issues with him, but he's probably done more in these three years than Obama did in eight. And he's done it with a Congress, which is awful. With a House of Representatives especially, but the Senate too. I mean, just awful. So while he may be a doddering old man, it seems like he's getting legislative accomplishments. John Stewart never said that. He also never said that Donald Trump wants to build an iron dome over America, deport people who were born here legally, and cede Europe to Russia, let Russia do whatever the hell they want. John Stewart didn't say that either, because that doesn't appease his both sides of BS. And it made me think about political comedy and how political comedy, that whole, that whole long introduction there, John Stewart coming back to both sides, an incredibly important issue. Because again, he doesn't care. Nobody he knows is at risk of getting deported. People very close to me are. So I'm not going to show up to the battle and shoot one bullet. I'm in this battle. I'm also not going to put a bunch of goddamn medals on John Stewart because liberals feel good that he's there again. I'm not going to do it. Because you did something great 20 years ago doesn't mean you get a pass forever. And rightfully so, a lot of people are calling out this bullside bullshit from him and talking about, you don't know how dangerous this is. So you decide as an old white man to come back to quote-unquote save your show and come every Monday for the election, and that's what you come out with? You know what? Don't bother coming, okay? At the end of the day, just lean into Biden's an old man and just talk about that nonstop because that's the only thing you seem to have any care for because you don't give a damn about what's really happening to people. So political con comedy, political comedy in a whole, especially in today, 2024, mid-February, at the dawn of this presidential campaign, which everybody that can hear my voice, it will be Joe Biden and Donald Trump. All right, one of those two old men is going to win. So no matter where you sit in your suburb while you sip on your wine watching Jon Stewart and Bill Maher, that's the fact. So let me talk about Bill Maher. Again, just so you guys know where I'm coming from, I have never watched Bill Maher. I've never liked Bill Maher. I think the one episode or even part that I did watch is when Stephen Bochco called him out, called Maher out for what he was and stood up and left his show because Bochco's a GD hero. That was politically incorrect back when he was on, I think it was ABC. 
Bill Maher is responsible for people like Ariana Huffington. I know some of you might think, oh, she's great. She's not at all. But his show back then was crazy conservative and three liberals to bash on. And what eventually happened is these conservatives, because then they go run to Fox News, they started to develop this victim culture. See, the liberals are mean to us. Liberals don't like us. So they create this victim culture and they feed into that and they make their viewers afraid because they're like, look, I'm just like you. I mean, I don't care if black people live in the neighborhood. I just don't want them to live next to me. I mean, so Bill Maher platformed those people. And they got his show canceled because he's an idiot, because he thinks he's being edgy and he's not. I'm going to talk about joke construction in the second half. And you'll see exactly why I do not think Bill Maher is a comedian, even though he keeps saying he is. Let's get this clear. John Stewart and Bill Maher came up in the 90s when white men getting comedy gigs was just filthy as can all get. You, If you were a white man and you stood up in front of a mic, you were going to get a special on HBO or you were going to get something. It was just a, a Dave Anthony from The Dollop talks a lot about that. And that's where a lot of these guys came from. So Bill Maher then goes to HBO. I remember a lot of people I know, a lot of people I trust were like, oh, no, he's better now. He's good. I like his guests. I don't like him. Now he's still a, an idiot because I, I did. I tried to watch him. He's still an idiot. I watched Ben Affleck t- you know, tear his head off. But you know what Bill Maher eventually did? Platform Milo Yiannopoulos. When he had Elon Musk on, he had one time he said, let's just get back to how you're a genius. And he does exactly what Jon Stewart does as he punches down in the soft, uh, on the softest issues with the Democrats while saying, but this is why Republicans are okay. Here's a good Bill Maher bit for you. Republicans, you know, they want to be with a fascist, but Democrats, I mean, they want your kids eating soy or drinking soy. That's literally like a Bill Maher joke and just awful. And I want to tell everybody out there now, I'm never going to watch Bill Maher, my liberal friends out there. I never will. I do not like the man. He is a conservative comedian. He likes to smoke pot and he likes to make fun of religion. Wow. You're really, you're, you're really out there fighting the good fight for America. He doesn't even show up to the war. At least John Stewart fires off one bullet. Bill Maher shows up, drives over to the other side and says, hey, can I get you some coffee? That's who Bill Maher is. So I use these two people as this gateway into what is quote unquote conservative comedy. Because the conservatives I know, their entire existence in this, in this post-Trump era is both sidesism. Trump's a rapist. Well, so is Clinton, both sides. Trump's a terrible businessman. Yeah, well, so is I'm Nancy Pelosi, cheats at stocks, both sidesism. Biden is old, or Trump is an old crazy man. Oh, yeah, Biden's even older. And he, he said something stupid the other day. Both sidesism. I've, I find it fascinating because I often tell my conservative friends. So you literally think Joe Biden's the devil, but it's okay that Trump does things worse because. Biden did it too. So your guy is just as bad as the devil. Uh, both sides is him. And then they take the both sides is him and they turn t- Trump, Donald Trump, into a victim. And you can thank Bill Maher and Jon Stewart for that. They feed that. And when it comes to political comedy, the liberals, the progressives, I mean, I, I talk about the dollop, both Gareth Reynolds and Dave Anthony are comedians and they're progressives, and they're funny. And they're funny because they understand how to construct a joke. And they understand where humor comes from. And that's kind of the key to all of this is, as I go into my grand experiment in the second half, and I talk about where 
you can't call these people comedians because they don't do comedy, you're going to understand that the ones that we believe, because I know a lot of my audience here is more liberal, that we believe that our comedians are the ones that we have are calling them out, that they're good, they're the strength. I was reading article after article preparing for this about where's the rights John Stewart, where I'm like, he's right there. He's John Stewart. He may not be what you want, but he's opening the door, the door for you. He's opening the door for the next wave of these conservative comedians to walk through and absolutely torch the place. <laughs> That's exactly what they're doing. I hope John Stewart recognizes what he's done. I don't think he did. I don't think he cares. I think it's, oh, the audience is too soft or whatever BS that is. And before I leave this first half, I want to say, I believe it was Pat Oswald that said this. We have to understand the meaning of words change. And in that time, if you as a comedian cannot adapt to that, then you're not a comedian anymore. Dave Chappelle was a brilliant comedian. I watched the Chappelle show. I thought it was great. He's not a comedian anymore. He's an asshole. That's what he is. Punching down at trans people isn't telling a joke. It's being an asshole. Telling the audience booing Elon Musk, his audience, people that paid to see Dave Chappelle, berating them and saying, oh, they just don't like you because you're rich. No, they don't like Elon Musk because he's an asshole. And now this, this is where you are. So all these people, the John Stewart's, I never liked Bill Maher, but maybe others did, or Dave Chappelle, they're opening the door for the demon of gut fell exclamation point. And I'll talk about that in the second half. Hello, all. This is RD, and I want to talk to you about something called Public Forum Productions. Now, you've heard me reference it, and if you're a person that looks deep, deep into the notes, you'll see that Public Forum Productions actually is the producer of The Ex-Millennial Man, the podcast you're listening to right now. Well, 2024 is going to be a big year at PSP, and I want to invite you to become part of that. Go to publicforumproductions.com, and you can see the stable of shows we have. It's a network, kind of like, think of it like Netflix, and Ex-Millennial Man is one of the shows. We also have High Heels and Politics, First Watch, Re watch and coming in 2024 we already have two shows actively in production right now one is called where did you go to high school i know a lot of our listeners are in the st louis area and are in southwest ohio because you guys know ty or myself and that's the biggest question where did you go to high school for the record i went to lafayette high school in in st louis in the st louis area but it's a big big deal my son here in southwest ohio goes to a really well-known high school and it kind of identifies who we are also, the other show we have working on is called Satan Remembers. It's a history of the 1980s satanic panic. That is where we're done planning it. We're getting ready to record, do interviews and stuff. And I, I want to really make this good. It's going to be a series that's going to go through what happened in the early 1980s and kind of the moral panic and the accusations of Satanism that destroyed a lot of people's lives, destroyed a lot of people's businesses, and all were completely unfounded. And I want to do that now because a lot of what we saw 40 years ago, we're seeing today. So I think it's very important. Again, go to publicforumproductions.com, reach out to me. And if you want to be a guest, if you want to do your own podcast, if you have information that can help us with these things, because like I said, those two shows are currently in production, but we have a few that are in pre-production and I'm going to really need going to really need some voices for there. So again, publicforumproductions.com. And let's get back to the conversation. Okay, guys, Gutfeld exclamation point through the new year here. 
I've been dipping in and out. I don't watch it every night, and I don't think I've ever watched a full episode, but dipping in and out of Fox News's conservative comedy show, Gutfeld! Exclamation point. And I call it that because it's Greg Gutfeld, so it's its last name, and there's an exclamation point. Some more news, Cody Johnson calls it Gutfeld. Yeah, so that, that's kind of the, the goofy or the stupidity, let's say, of it. Gutfeld exclamation point came to I, I, some of my conservative friends and talked about how funny he is. He and Jesse Waters. Oh, they're both so funny. And Jesse Waters flat out ripped off bits from The Daily Show in his quote unquote Bill O'Reilly comedy days or whatever. But Greg Gutfeld, they're like, oh, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. And I'm going to give you an example of Greg Gutfeld and one of his jokes. I'm not going to play one for you. I'm just going to play kind of how. So you know how like John Stewart would say stuff like, do you know Bush smells like a dirty diaper? <laughs> Gutfeld's joke more is like, Biden is smelly and that makes him yelly. I'm not exaggerating. You watch his show where a year ago Fox was going on and on about how it's the number one rated late night comedy show, which it was a year ago. Pulled like two, it's like a 2.5 rating. And then Colbert was a 2.4, and Kimmel was a 2.3, and Fallon was like a 2.3, 2.2. So what I told my friend is that if you're a conservative, or if you're somebody who's watching Fox News and you can't remember where you put the remote, then Gutfeld's on. You're going to watch that. If you're a conservative and you want your safe space of comedy, then you're going to go watch Gutfeld! Exclamation point. If you're leaning more liberal, you're watching Stephen Colbert. But maybe you're not big on Colbert, so you're going to go watch Jimmy Kimmel. Eh, maybe you're not as big on that and you need somebody closer to the both sides but still on the left a little bit. You're going to go watch Fallon. So Fallon, Kimmel, and Colbert's audience, you put them together, it's way larger than Gutfeld! Exclamation point. But they don't want to hear that, oh, no, number one rated. Da, da, da. So I said, fine, I'm gonna, I am going to watch him. Now, I got to tell you, he's no longer the quote-unquote king of late-night comedy. Because Fox moved his show out of that slot. So now what you get on Fox is you get this dumbass roundtable called The Five, where they get like one conservative Democrat and then a bunch of crazy Republicans. It's like the polar opposite of, of politically incorrect. And then after that, I think, it's, I think it's like the news or something. Then it's Laura Ingram. Then it's Sean Hannity. Then it's Jesse Waters. And then it's Gutfeld exclamation point. And then you're... In your 80s, you need to get to bed or you need to change your depends or whatever. So Gutfeld closes you out for the night. I'm going to tell you, well, okay, before I do that, I need to talk about what makes a joke a joke, like how a joke is actually structured. What really makes that like a sentence or something like that? What, what is a joke? And this is where I'm going to pull out my, well, actually, I did this. My wife is going to hear in her ear, she's going to hear, well, you don't know much about art. I'm sorry about that, baby. But I do, have, I do have a background in theater. I studied it in college. I worked theater for a long time. So I can give you the definition of humor or of comedy or drama or all this other stuff or tragedy versus comedy, things like that. They're definite things. But from a very modern sense of what makes a joke or humor work is truth. These jokes have to come from a place of truth. And you watch some of your great comedians. One of my favorite comedy bits of all time is Pat Oswalt talking about the Christmas song, The Christmas Shoes. Terrible, stupid song. A little kid is, wants to buy shoes for his mother who's going to die, and he wants her to look pretty for Jesus. 
but he doesn't have enough money. And so this guy's like, this boy taught me what Christmas is all about. You watch Pat Oswalt just eviscerate this because the song is stupid. And when you just put logic into that song and then he does it in a funny way, it is far and away one of my favorite comedy bits ever. Eddie Murphy, who, yes, has some very problematic stuff early in his career, and I get that. But even today, he was on Saturday Night Live a few years ago, and he was talking about these comedians who, when he was younger, they would tell him, oh, you can't say that, or you can't do that, you got to be more respectful, you got to be a good, a good black man that the white people like. And then he kind of smiled and he said, I guess Bill Cosby needs to ask now who's America's father. Great joke. Comes from a place of truth, comes as it's it's biting. I mean, this is is comedy. This is how comedy is made. If you want to talk about liberal comedians, my wife and I recently saw Trey uh, Trey Crowder at a show, and again, he does some political humor, but a lot of it is about he's out in California now and raising his kids when he was raised dirt poor in I think it was Kentucky or Tennessee or something, and just culture shock and things like that. Again, a lot of truth to it. Gutfeld expl- ex- exclamation point is. Every joke they have is a made-up world. Also, a lot of people will say there's jokes, then there's puns, and then there's everything else. Well, Gutfield has found the bottom of what is joke creation. Because what he does is he does these stupid rhymes. An example would be, in San Fran, there's a lot of crime, but I thought we just didn't like the grime. I am not overselling this. Because this show is done in front of a live audience, okay? Or in front of an audience. I think it's a tape show, but it's done in front of an audience. And he tells his quote-unquote jokes, and nobody laughs. He also has a panel of like four people, which I'll get to in a minute. But you'll get one of them every now and then go, ha, ha. I mean, I don't know if he has an applause sign or laugh sign or whatever, because he sure as hell needs to get one. Because you are, it is... (sighs) It is like known. It's like watching that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie when he's early on, when he's in the... I'm expecting Gutfeld, because he'll always do this stupid ain't I a stinker smile. And not quite... It's worse than Jon Stewart's, but not quite as terrible as Ricky Gervais, who I don't... I'm not going to bother with. But <laughs> he, he tells these jokes. Oh, okay. First off, he starts to show... I know, this is so... It, it, my brain is at absolutely shattering and breaking. And I want to get this recorded before I have to sit down and watch Gutfeld exclamation point again, but I just don't know if I can. He starts off with like a monologue, but it's not a monologue. It's one story. And he tries to say something funny. One I recently watched was about the Apple Vision Pro, Apple's new face computer. And he starts off with like, oh, it looks like the fanciest of ski goggles, but the people aren't on the slopes. They're a bunch of dopes. And nobody laughs. And then he starts talking about, the $3,500 monstrosity is like just kind of trying to bash it, but not telling any jokes about it. And then even at one time, he even said, it looks ugly. I guess when Jobs died, uh, Elon Musk inherited all of his design sensibilities. Like something that doesn't even make sense. I mean, I tell people all the time, Teslas are some of the ugliest cars I've ever seen. And that Cybertruck is good idiot identifier. I haven't seen one in the Cincinnati area yet, but I'm waiting. I hope it's like half rusted out when I see it too, because it has rained a couple days the last few weeks around here. But Gutfeld exclamation point, he just goes through this abuse. 
And the other thing he does, which I find really, really strange, is again, your Fox News viewer is a dedicated viewer, and they watch it for hours. And they're all playing to an audience of one, and that's Donald Trump. And so what he does is every now and then he'll be like, they'll talk about some story about dating. They'll be like, you know who can never get a date? Keith Olbermann. You're going to get as tired as that as you did the applause in the first half. But the problem is the audience hates Keith Olbermann. They're like, boo, boo. So then he'll make like a homophobic or transphobic joke. And he'll go like, you know who likes that kind of stuff, though? And put up like a picture of Brian Kilmeade or Jesse Waters or Janine Pirro or something. And his panel, who are all Fox News contributors, usually are all like, <laughs> so it's like I, I can just totally see Donald Trump as he is sitting there shoving fistfuls of McDonald's fries into it. And he sees that and he's like almost chokes to death because like, oh, yeah, that pride killed me. It is so gay. And uh, folks, I'm not kidding that this is the way this humor is. They did a quote unquote story on the the gay porn video that was shot in the Senate hearing room. And they were like, you know who's happy to hear you can get away with it. And they show a picture of Brian Kilmeade. And I'm like, God, this is so terrible. Who He's been on the show every now and then, too. And Gutfeld exclamation point is always like, oh, you can't get a date or you can't do this or you sexually harass your massage therapist. Or I, I just don't know what it is. But let's talk about the Gutfeld exclamation point panel. So he goes through his five to ten minutes of just self-abuse, of telling rhyme jokes that nobody laughs at. And then he introduces his panel. And it's always four people. And there's a couple of regulars, and not all the time, but they're on fairly regularly. But it, again, they're all Fox News contributors. And he'll start off with something like the Apple Vision Pro, and he'll go to one of his people and say, so this thing's pretty stupid, isn't it? And then that person will be like, yeah, it's pretty stupid. I mean, Apple, you know, they're woke and they do DEI. And again, it's just the Fox News red meat. It's a stuff they've been hearing for hours. The Five talked about it. Laura Ingram talked about it. Sean Hannity, Jesse Waters. They're just getting the same things. But this is supposed to be in a joke show. And then they all get indignant about it. And they're like, you know what those Apple Vision Pros are going to do, though, is it's very anti-God and anti-Christian. And what what is the nice young homeschool mother, i.e. white, in the middle of Kansas going to think about this when a bunch of urban people come in in her neighborhood. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say this is what it devolves into within five minutes. They had New York Congressman Lee Zeldin on the other day. And again, I don't know what his comedy chops are either than he what, tried to run for governor of New York or something. And now that's funny. But because there's humor in there, there's truth in there. He's an idiot and would never win the governor of New York, but he decided to run. He's on there trying to keep up with their non-jokes, and then he just gets, you know what the real problem is? The border. And the border's no joking matter. And then they had some Fox contributor who was an attorney who was almost crying about, like, how dare Joe Biden talk about America and Mega not being American because we, we want to close the border and my kids are, can't go to school and it's too unsafe and all this other stuff. This is their comedy show, okay? Their comedy show. But every now and then they do have comedians on. I'm going to wrap up this nightmare fuel. If you're getting off on this, this ASMR of me talking about conservative comedy, God's bless you. They'll get these comedians on. They had this one guy, Thalia or something like that. I'm not even, I, I don't even care to look up what his first name is. 
But he's this New York comedian. He's got the New York thing. He's a New York guy. And I like a New York and go Yankees and all that other crap. So this was during the so-called boycott of Bud Light and Dylan Mulvaney. And this dude decides to, he, it was a weird, shocking incident where he was talking about how like woke companies and da, 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 this, all this stuff. And he said, but you know what? I'd rather watch this guy talk about beer for 10 hours and listen to anything Harry and Meghan Markle say. And people in the audience were kind of, again, because none of this made sense. First off, Dylan Mulvaney, as far as I understand, identifies as a woman. And I know that is, it's easy for the Dave Chappelle's of the world and now the gut field exclamation points. Because yes, Chappelle, that's who you are bedfellows with now. It's easy to punch down on trans people. Because I don't understand it or whatever. Or one of them said I said something wrong the other day. I get corrected all the time. And you know what I do? I correct my behavior. Because I'm not an asshole. But he does this. It seemed like even Gutfeld's audience wasn't in it. And then what? what is this? Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? I, my conservative friends like hate Meghan Markle. Hate her more than anything. And we can go into the reason they hate her is the obvious one. Okay, they'll never say it, but it's the obvious one. Because Fox News also feeds this constant crap to them. Constant. Even in their comedy shows. And then they've got this other comedian, Kat Timpf. She's on tour right now. It's called the You Can't Say This Tour. And that's what these comedians are. They so desperately want to say racial slurs because they think it's funny. But it's not. Like, and again, I believe it was Patton Oswald. The meanings of words change. Recently, my wife and I showed our son the Mel Brooks movie, History of the World, Part One. And there's a scene during the Roman Empire section where Mel Brooks is doing the stand-up routine in front of the emperor. And he makes kind of like a gay joke. And the the emperor's gesture or whatever is laughing a little bit. And Mel Brooks goes, oh, see, even the derogatory term for a gay person at the time, he said, even that, that he gets it. And we stopped the movie to talk to our son about, okay, it's not right to say that. You can't do this. And he didn't even know what the word was. Language evolves. And if you're going to be good at comedy, you will evolve with that language. These people have it because they would rather talk about, oh, well, we can't say that. They get to say it in their music, but we can't say it. It doesn't seem fair. That's their whole shtick. Okay, we know old white people that you used to refer to African-Americans, Asian people, Polish people, whatever. You used to refer to them this way and you thought it was all okay. You can't do that anymore because it's just rude. No, that's this this cat Tiff who is probably 15 years younger than me is like, I can't say any of that stuff. So I'm going to be edgy by saying it. And that's comedy. No, that's not comedy. Because there's no truth in it. And then my favorite person they have, Tyrus. That's his real name. Tyrus is a massive African-American gentleman with a huge kind of scraggly beard, always has a hat on backwards, and a lot of times he's carrying around a big like wrestling belt. He used to be a professional wrestler, and so he does come from the entertainment business. And Tyrus is a great gut field not Gutfield exclamation point. It was the Greg Gutfield show. No punctuation. He brought this guy on, introduced him to the Fox audience. And he is your, your urban guy who tells black kids to pull their pants up, who says the cities are overrun with crime by showing a bunch of African-American dudes. He is the Bill Cosby of today. 
He is the African-American that all the conservatives are going to rally around because, yeah, he looks scary and all this other stuff, but he's telling them exactly what they want to hear. He's telling them that their white culture is under assault. And on this quote-unquote comedy show, which I've said that a million times on this podcast, I'll try not to say it again, he's always angry, he's always upset, he's always incredibly transphobic and homophobic. Oh, I wouldn't let those people touch me, or I wouldn't get near them, or never going to see me in a skirt, or I'm never going to do this. And always like weirdly angry that Republicans aren't being authoritative enough. This is Fox's comedy show. This is the height of conservative comedy. So when you go to The Atlantic or Politico or Salon, all three places I read about why liberals need to be worried about Gutfeld exclamation point, I just told you what this is. What those three publications did not tell you is how it's not comedy. It's bad rhymes. It's not comedy. Is it even a dramedy? That made no sense. And that could have come directly out of Gutfeld exclamation point. And he does that for like five minutes or so in, in, to introduce new segments, going to commercial breaks where I need to see if I need to invest in gold or if I need a my pillow or whatever, if I need some prepper food or whatever. The only people that I advertise on Fox. Plus, they tell me I can get free tickets to Gutfeld exclamation point if I'm in the New York, New York area. And you better believe I am going to do that because whenever he says things like Biden like ice cream, but it's more of a not nice dream. I'm going to be that guy going because I think his existence is maybe why my dad loves somebody like Andy Kaufman. Maybe the reason I continue down this path is I just need to what I need to stare I need to explore the mountains of madness so I don't go insane. I need to know what the horror is that's out there. I need to know the just monstrosity of why in the holy hell, Gutfeld exclamation point, is even on TV. Because <laughs> I started off talking about John Stewart and Bill Maher, a little bit about Dave Chappelle and saying how they opened the door to all of this stuff. Because the people that are like, well, John Stewart's right. It is both sides. They're both bad. All are going to go watch Gutfeld and get validated. The Bill Mars of the world who are like, well, yeah, Democrats are stupid and they believe in wokeism and all this other stuff. They're going to go to Gutfeld to get their ideas validated. And if you're transphobic, oh, my God, do I got a show for you? And it's called Gutfeld exclamation point. So that is that is the state that is my uh, state of the union on conservative comedy 2024. If I am not, if my wife does not have me committed or sedated or lobotomized or something, I may come back in a while to talk a little bit more about it because I'm genuinely curious about what Jon Stewart's going to do if he's just going to be the same old softball interview both sides guy. I could give a rat's ass what what's his name does, Bill Marcy, I don't even want to forget. And I don't watch Dave Chappelle. So those of you that are out there like, have you seen Chappelle's new special? No, I haven't. And I won't. I'll go watch him talk about Rick James or Prince serving pancakes and playing basketball and stuff and remember what I liked about it then. But even that, I mean, you know, very little comedy is extraordinarily timeless. And sometimes the artists themselves take their comedy and throw it in the toilet. But not Gutfeld exclamation point. I mean, that that's just pure and utter. We got to come up with a new category for it. So next week, guys, teenage sex comedies. And then coming up March 1st, first watch rewatch. I'm coming back second season. I'm so happy for the the response I've gotten from it. It's great. Ty and I are going to kick it off with The Last Starfighter. 
I've got Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette that I'm going to be doing. We're going to do The Dark Backward. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you definitely want to listen to that episode. The movie Heavy Metal is another one that I'm looking at. Trying to get a few other things put together. I'm going to make Ty watch Flash Gordon. And I haven't watched it in a while, and I don't know if I'm going to like it. I'm a little worried about that one. But first watch, rewatch, March 1st. It's on the 1st and 15th of every month, second season coming out. And our Patreon. Go to patreon.com. I'm finally putting exclusive content out there. I'm still toying with it. I think I've got a pretty good idea, just a nice Shorter little podcast about just the weirdness of the pop culture that we experienced during Generation X and the Millennial time. So with all that being said, I thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast, remember we are here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And as I say goodbye, it doesn't have to mean good lies. I'll talk to you guys next week. क्षणास पूजिले अथांग स्वप्न लोचनी कणा कणात देखिने तुसे स्वरूप दर्पणी The Ex Millennial Man podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik and Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.